Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey. Have you ever felt stuck waking up day after day doing the same thing over and over again? Just like in the movie Groundhog Day, Phil keeps starting and finding himself back in the same place when all he wants to do is get out of town. Can you relate? You wake up each morning desiring a different script. Our guest today is going to help you understand the states of our life that keep us trapped. Tim Story is an acclaimed author, speaker, and life coach known for inspiring and motivating people of all walks of life. From entertainment executives, celebrities, athletes to adults and children in the most depraved neighborhoods in the country. Tim has traveled to 75 countries and spoken to millions of people. He is well known for working with high profile individuals such as Quincy Jones, Kanye West, Robert Downey Jr., to name a few. It is my distinct pleasure to welcome to the show Tim Story. Who is here to help you tap into the miracle mentality? He's also the author of Comeback and Beyond, How to Turn Your Setbacks into Comebacks and the Upmost Living, Upmost Living, Creating and Savoring Your Best Life Now. Welcome to the show, Tim Story. Hello, doctor. I'm excited about this conversation because you're smart. I think we're going to help a lot of people just in dialoguing. And I appreciate you being here. You know, Tim, you opened up and I read The Miracle Mentality, the book, and I also listened to the Audible book. And I've been listening to your voice in the past couple of weeks in the clubhouse. So I feel like I know you pretty well, so to speak. But you opened up in chapter one, describing the first time you visited Disneyland in California, using that example of the highlight at a young age that we're conditioned to believe in the power of miracles, that most of us start our lives with the miracle mentality, but it slips away through life's disappointments, pain, and loss. So can you help us understand what exactly is a miracle mentality? So you set me up perfectly because, um, you know, as you know, in the book, we talk about the mundane, the messy, the, the madness, and the miracles. And my, uh, my family was kind of caught in the mundane and the messy and really not on purpose. It's just the way it was. We were, you know, raised Compton, California is where we started. Uh, seven people in a two bedroom apartment. And, you know, that was so cramped, crowded. We had a Volkswagen bug, not even the van, just so cramped and crowded. So when I went to Disneyland as a young person, I'd never seen anything like this in my life. I didn't know that something like this really existed, that you could look up and see these rides going around. And then you saw Mickey Mouse up close, Donald Duck up close. But when I got on this ride called It's a Small World, man, when they started singing and they started taking little Timmy from Compton around those corners (laughs) and they were coming from Scandinavia and Africa and Asia, something in my heart leaped. Little did I know that one day I would go and influence all those countries. Mm -hmm. And so 
sometimes you have to get out of your own atmosphere and your own environment and see something different. And that really did trigger me. And I remember when I was reading that chapter, what it reminded me of was as a little girl, I actually grew up in New York, I'm in, our, in Florida, but I grew up in this small town. And when I look back, a lot of people stayed in that town. And when you were describing it in the book, I thought about like driving, my dad would be driving in the car and I'll be looking out the window, Tim, just imagining what it was going to be like to be out of that small town. And I realized that that was part of my miracle mentality back then is I saw something bigger than what, um, than what was in front of me. You know, and my son, Rylan, just turned nine. You know, when I was reading your book. Yes. My heart felt deeply saddened for the eight-year-old Timmy, you know, at the water fountain experiencing that first encounter of, of cruelty. And you state that your purpose in writing the book is to help us to reconnect with the miracle mentality by first waking up and taking inventory. What, is yes. that, what does that mean for most people to wake up and take inventory in their life? Let's start with the eight-year-old Timmy at the water fountain. Okay, so um, I was a happy-go-lucky kid. I was graced by being good at sports. Um, God gave me agility and an ability and a way about me in sports. And so already I was being known as a kid that could play sports. And uh, there was a a girl that was trying to drink water at the water fountain. And a a kid that was two years older than me uh, was in back of her. And he called her something terrible. And he, he called her, hey, chubby, you know, don't drink up all the water and be done. And she looked and she says, I'll be done in a minute. She went back to drink and he slapped her in the back of the head. And out of my instincts, I just tapped him. And I said, you know, you know, you don't need to do that. And he grabbed me by the afro, which had a big old Jackson 5 afro. Remember those? <laughs> my mom and, had one. <laughs> right, grabbed me. He grabbed me and pulled me down and kneed me in the stomach, which I'd never encountered in my life. So I went down. But the, th- the cool thing of this story is because I was a nice kid, the kids that were two years older took him and put him up against the wall. And that was an interesting thing about me beginning to understand what my calling was, because I think your calling calls you. So why was I so sinc- Uh, concerned about this young lady that was really being bullied, you know, that would end up being what my life is about even till this day. Hmm. And so I feel that the, the miracle mentality, number one, the word miracle, as you know, means extraordinary, uncommon, not normal, not natural. Uh, I always knew my life was uncommon, but Sometimes you just don't decide something, you discover it. So that was the beginning of the discovery of Tim's story, Loving the Underdog. So with that that story and kind of looking back at connecting the dots as you looked back, you know, there's lots of people that, you know, I'll experience, whether it's clients or different people along the way that find it difficult to look back and connect those dots because, oh, that's in the past. It doesn't have nothing to do with that. But you you had beautifully and eloquently described taking an inventory and just doing some of that, that work. Can you help us understand, like, what does that mean and how does that incorporate, how is that incorporated in the miracle mentality? Yeah, so, so number one is that, as you know, 
I think even more than me because of your research, is that little kids, they think beyond. And I, I get a chance to work in Beverly Hills with some of the best um, psychologists, psychiatrists, and even some of the best children's psychologists have said to me that even if a child is being abused or has challenges um, within their mindset, that they are imagining in some form or fashion. It, it may not seem outwardly like they're so expressive, but they're, they're imagining things. So I, I believe that the, the miracle mentality is innate because I believe that we're made in the image of God and it's, and it's innate. And so when I go speak in the townships in South Africa or the difficult places of the Philippines or Indonesia or other places I go to, when I talk to little kids and I say, what do you want to be? It's always something amazing. Astronaut, a ballerina, the president. I want to be in the NBA. You know, they're from different countries. So I feel like that miracle mentality wants to come out. And what I feel that what happens many times is that people then try to um, almost confine it and hone it in. And I feel that with this book, I talk about aligning yourself with that innocence. Because that innocence in you wants to dream. Like, let me ask you a question. Uh, when you were, let's say, in junior high, what, what are some things you dreamt about becoming? Uh, maybe a newscaster, maybe a person who traveled the world, a doctor. What did you, what did you think about becoming? You know, one of the things that I thought about becoming, Tim, and, and connecting the dots, it happened, just not in the way that I thought it was going to happen back then, is I wanted to be a businesswoman, and I saw myself driving a convertible with a briefcase, yeah. and to me, that represented something I didn't see in my family back then. Yes, and a lot of it has happened. I don't know about the convertible, <laughs> but you're a pretty good businesswoman. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have, the convertible didn't happen, maybe in the future. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So, I, I, I believe in the miracle mentality. And I think that, you know, as you see in the book, uh, and we talked a little bit about, we, we learn through education, conversation, and observation. And thank goodness for my teachers who saw something in me. They saw the spark in me. And I remember my third grade teacher just really like honing in on me, fourth grade, fifth grade. They made, they made me really want to learn. I remember my sixth grade teacher asking me to stay after class. And he said, Timmy, I want to see if you want to read one of my books out of my personal library. And he had a briefcase, which you don't see too much anymore. So he pulled it up on his desk. He had three books. And I recognized the first name. It said it was a book on the life of Michelangelo. Well, how did I know that? Because my, my father had been watching this documentary on TV on Michelangelo. And I remember I was just mesmerized by what this guy did. So I said to him, I said, sir, if you don't mind, I would like to, to read that one. And he said, no, this is not for extra credit. He said, this is just because I think you're brilliant. And I want to help bring that brilliance out. Could you imagine? 
I mean, I'd never been branded brilliant, but thank goodness I didn't push it away. I just embraced it mm-hmm. and read that book that it, it took me into another place. So through education and conversation like we're having now and observation, it kept escalating my miracle mentality. You know, when I first heard you say that, you know, the education, the conversation and the observation in the club, <laughs> you know, I was reflecting on my my own life and even the people that I work with and how that's such that's so tied into pivotal moments. Right. You know, along the way, because you just gave us that example, when people speak over you, you know, it's either we're going to embrace it or we're going to reject it. Yes. And it's uh, so, so powerful. You know, so so with that being said, you know, in today's Insta culture, I don't need to tell you this, where people can curate their lives through posting that perfect picture and the video only by sharing the best of the best. You know, people get discouraged, you know, and I see it all the time in my women's groups and the t- retreats that I have. We always have these conversations around social media one way or the other, because it can create that illusion that people's lives are really better than they really are. So for those who are ready to activate the miracle mentality in their life, like what what is the work to get them to actually live a real life of the miracle mentality today. Yeah. So uh, to me, again, the, the miracle mentality is innate, but I also don't see it as like a, a destination. Like when I get there, then my life becomes miraculous. I think that miracles are all around us. And, and what I help people do in this book is to, to recognize, you know, that's like a, inner city thing. You got to recognize. <laughs> so if I can give people steps, here's what I would say is number one, you have to become awake. I find that a lot of people I work with, um, they are sleepwalking through things. And I, a lot of people, they have been sleepwalking from March to March because of quarantine. And I know other people that are not sleepwalking through quarantine. They have created magical companies, <laughs> magical moments the family have has, have escalated it's, as you know it's gone the other way for others but i know other people that in the pandemic they became more magical so number one you have to become awake the second thing you do is then you take inventory and you get very real with where you're at so let's say a person got divorced as you know by studying and helping people through divorce divorce is divided force so you had force And now you have divided force, okay? Divided force hurts. So recognize it. Pay attention to it, okay? Take inventory. So maybe your weight is not where you want it to be. Maybe your child is acting up. Maybe things are going on in your job. So number one, be awake, take inventory, but be realistic, The third thing is you have to partner with the right people. Mm. And there's a scripture in the Bible that says, he who walks with the wise will stack up more wisdom. That's the strength of me. Mm. The sixth grade teacher, he called me in seventh grade, eighth grade, and into high school to make sure I was still getting good grades and to dialogue with me. Come on, people. Mm. As I moved into Beverly Hills, it was Quincy Jones, who's worked with me since I was in my late 20s, Barry Gordy from Motown, been around him forever, maybe 30 years he's been helping me. So I have had the the good fortune 
to have people mentor me and care about me. So that's me partnering with the right people. And that's why I think a lot of people miss it, doctor, is that they do not partner with power. Mm. Partner with other people with the miracle mindset. What do you think about that part, about partnering with the right people? Partner with power. You know, there's a couple of things that, that you said that stood out to me. You know, one of the things that I'll kind of go back to was you talked about sleepwalking. You know, when we're looking at people that have experienced a lot of different trauma, you know, they get into a way of these disassociative states where they've learned to disconnect from themselves. So when I'm hearing to take an inventory, right, in order to get to that place to even tap in, we look at the pillars of healing in three pillars, right? The, we look at mentality, we look at the inner child work, and then we look at the body work. Our body also keeps um, trauma. Yes. And when we look at the people that are in this trauma state, we take that inventory, right? In our conversation and therapy, who's around them? What's your support system? We get into their, their families. And to your point, sometimes people can only see the level that they're also partnered with. Yes. So partnered with power. And I think it's so powerful when I think about myself, even, you know, mentors along the way have been places that I've never been able to reach, but they've been able to, you know, the first time I was actually on Good Morning America was last year. And I shared that with my mentor two years ago. And he spoke into me, watched me, and when I was ready, he executed, yes. right? And I partnered with power, and that's how that came about. But when I we're love looking, that. It's so powerful. And I think, you know, we, we get mentors, our friends, and the people that speak life to us. And, you know, and some of the, the things that I've heard you say, also what we're listening to, who we allow to speak into our life, right? You know, because I've yes. seen lots of... Um, different clips of the miracle ceremonies that you've, you've hosted and speaking life into people and how that changes them. Because some people that have experienced a lot of trauma haven't had those things happen to them. Yeah. And number one, congratulations on your career. You're doing very well. I mean, in all these different places, not everybody's on Good Morning America, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Thank you. So um, let me just say this. So many times people come to me and they say, you know, Tim, well, look at the friends you have and the people you've been around. Because this is like, I've been around these people for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll tell you, you know, nowadays you could watch a TED Talk. You could watch uh, a podcast. You could watch a documentary. I never met Richard Branson, but I've learned a lot about the life of Richard Branson. I've learned a lot from him. I don't know Ray Dalio, who teaches on leadership, um, but I've learned a lot from his book called Principles. So it's you could partner with power without touching a human. Mm -hmm. You don't have to touch them. Mm -hmm. You could watch this podcast and learn so much. So the next step is to partner with power. From there, you have to get the right principles. Mm -hmm. And you know how important that is. I think a lot of what we have been taught from our parents from some of our friends, some of, from some of our exes, we have to unlearn. And that's what I did. And I, I learned to renew my mind and not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Romans chapter 12. And um, I just became very diligent in that. I used to, when I was in seminary, I used to go to bed listening to the Bible on tape 
and I would just listen to it. It would put me to bed. I can quote over 2,000 scriptures. And the reason for that is that that's what I needed. Like maybe you watching need something else. But I, I needed the faith base to solidify me in my soul, but to renew my mind of who I really was. And when that happened, I'm trying to tell you people, it was over with. <laughs> I just took off. I took off at 20 and never came back. So you have to partner with the right people. Then you got to find the right principles. I'll go through this quickly. From the, from the principles then, then you make the right plan. Don't be making the plan if you don't have the right principles. <laughs> what do you think about that? I think uh, you are uh, speaking some real truth here, you know, and, and I think a, a part of what you're saying, we talk about the renewing of the mind, you know, when people are dealing with mental health or trauma, you know, a part of that is that taking inventory. Where did I learn this from? Where did my mindset come from? Where are these wounds? This not good enough, all this other stuff. And then I'm reacting and I'm acting it out. So I need to be able to get out of denial and actually look at for what it is in order to renew my mind and relearn something and really be able to walk um, in a different different path. And it yes. is a lot, it's challenging for a lot of people because it's painful, right? As you shared with us in your story about that first walk of cruelty, a lot of people learn to just walk, you know, I like that saying, the, the just, just walking dead, so to speak, as they learn yeah. to numb themselves. Um, through addictions, do all types of, and then separation. So then to kind of look back to take that inventory is painful for a lot of people. It is very painful, but because I deal with a lot of people in recovery um, as well as you, you do too. But if you, if you, if you choose to numb yourself and I say it this way, if you don't run to the refuge, you'll run to a refuge. Mm. And so if, I find that if you numb yourself Sooner or later, there's going to be a knock on the door that says, you got to wake up or else. And then if you keep numbing yourself, the knock will keep coming and you might end up in prison and then the knock will keep coming and then you may get out, but then you are doing nothing. The knock will keep coming and then you might not ever wake up. And so the numbing does not work. It, it does not work. We have to deal with it, but that's the, that's the beauty of the power of partnership is that when somebody is weak, then somebody else is strong. I'll, I'll tell you a story. Uh, Smokey Robinson is my, he's like my brother. And he was going through a crisis many years ago and he was hiding in his house and his friend, who's a famous actor that I will not say, broke his door down. The Smokey Robinson broke his door down in his big old mansion, broke Smokey's door down because he knew Smokey was in trouble. You need some people in your lives that have the guts to break the door down. Amen yeah. to that. I say uh, that you need to have that one friend that you can call at three o'clock in the morning, Tim, and uh, they're not going to ask you any questions. And it's just going to be A to B. Nobody will ever find out that trusted yeah. circle. 100%. I like how that, how you just phrase that. But then you, you make the plan, but don't make the plan before you get with the partners with the power and the right principles. Don't be making crazy plans. 
Because <laughs> if you're in the wrong place, you're going to make the wrong plans, I guarantee you. Right? It matters. It matters. So you, you, then you make the plans. The plans, to me, come from here. Mm. Yeah, I think you know. I think you know. But you got to stop. You got to look. You got to listen. We, we move too quick. Stop, look, and listen. You got to stop. You got to look. And my, my stop is stop. My look is here, but it's also here. It's here and here. It's a double look. I stop and I look, then I listen. Like, what am I, what am I here? What am I supposed to do? I'm telling you, I knew I was going to be Tim Story before I was. And Oprah asked me that. She said, at what age did you know you were Tim Story? I said, at 10. And then she told me her age when she knew she was Oprah. I won't tell you. I'll let, let her tell you. But I knew at, when, at 10, I was going to influence the world. I knew it. I'm not even joking. I knew it. Mm, that's powerful. That's powerful. You know, and, and you've, you've addressed this in this book, but I also say that, you know, one of the most important decisions that we will ever make in life is the person we choose to marry or partner with. And you talked about this being one of the most critical factors as we're talking about the power circle, what I'm going to call it, and assessing yeah. how we feel about our lives. So what does this have to do with reconnecting or even developing a miracle mentality? Uh, bring me a little more of that question. So in our relationships, the person who we choose to marry or partner with is one of the most important decisions we'll ever make, period. Yeah. We all yeah. know that. But you've addressed it in your chapter around relationships that the people that we're around is a critical factor. And I also take that as spouses, as friends, yeah. as business people, assessing how we feel about our lives. So when we think about the miracle mentality and either developing it, reconnecting with it, creating a life around the miracle mentality, you know, as we're talking about that circle being so important that those friends, yes. those people that are going to, they're not going to, they're going to see the cliff when we don't see the cliff and they're not going to let us, let us jump. So if you can help, you know, our viewers and listeners understand exactly what that means as far as them being able to help us develop our miracle mentality, the company that we keep. Yes. So I think that, that there's like three levels of intimacy. And I, I discussed this with Dr. Helen Mendez, who's now in heaven. She taught at USC forever. She mentored me for 17 years to do what I do and uh, coaching celebrities. And we began to dialogue about this probably, you know, for four hours over a period of different sessions. And I think that the first level of intimacy is like the casual uh, level of you, you work together and you dialogue, you tease. Um, how did so-and-so do at the Super Bowl halftime performance? Or uh, did you get your COVID tests? Or did you get your shots? You, we're, we're just, we're casual. The, the second is like this intimate side. But the, the intimate side is very, very interesting. And I know, doctor, you've, you've done some intense um, study on this. So I'm, I'm making this very elementary. But the intimate side is interest, interesting because, you know, we just land in intimate situations like when you have a family, like some of you room with your sister or your two sisters or uh, some of you guys room with your brother or your two brothers or you have relatives. You didn't, you didn't vote them in. <laughs> They're just there. 
So these, these intimate relationships begin to be a part of our lives, to become a part of the fabric of our lives. But I believe that there is a third level. This would Dr. Helen Mendez said, ooh, Tim's story, there you go again. I call it the invited guest section, invited guest. That just because you're my sister doesn't mean I have to invite you into what I'm really thinking. You're my sister, but that doesn't mean I'm going to tell you everything. You may be my brother, okay? I may not tell you everything. You might be my priest, my pastor, my rabbi. I still may not tell you everything. I think that there is an invited guest area of your life that you should only invite people in there that really care about you. Mm. Because if you let them in to that invited guest place of intimacy, they can cause such harm if their motives are wrong. How powerful is that? That is very powerful. So as we take our break, invited guests, think about who you've been allowing to hear your secrets, your dreams, allowing access. Access is currency. Who have you allowed access to you that didn't even deserve access? So we are going to come back after this break and Tim is going to help us get our miracle mentality. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment, essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. That's LifeCounselingSolutions.com. Are you living day by day, nervous, in fear, or constantly feeling overwhelmed, This is probably due to an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders can develop from many different factors and can affect each and every person differently. Anxiety disorders can develop because of genetics, personality, stressful life events, and many other reasons. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America reports that more than 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety-related illnesses and anxiety is also considered the most common mental disorder in the United States. You don't have to suffer alone. Call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit lifecounselingsolutions.com today. Has your anger ever taken you somewhere you regretted? Have you ever said something in anger that you wish you could take back? Have you ever hurt anyone as a reaction of your anger, physically or emotionally? Let's face it. Anger is a part of life. We all experience anger in our lives at some point. The question we need to ask ourselves is whether this has become a habit. What matters is how we deal with it. So call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit OrlandoAngerManagement.com today. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. We are here with my esteemed guest, Tim Story. And we were talking about the invited guest of intimacy. And are you taking an inventory? Are you thinking through this? You know, but I'm going to pivot here for a minute, Tim. In chapter nine on health, your work in addiction counseling, as we, we both um, can relate with, it caught my attention. You know, as psychologists, one of the many pillars in treatment is spirituality and healthy development of relationships. And it touched my heart in particular when you shared that you watched your brother's battle and his loss of life due to his complications connected to addiction. And I can personally relate to that, having watched many of my own family members battle with addictions throughout their life, including my own father, resulting in his his death um, at a very young age at 62. You know, what are some of the greatest lessons that that you've learned that you can share with us? I also re- recall that you, I think, were co-owners of several um, addiction centers. Yes. But what can you help us understand what you've seen with people that struggle with addictions, whether it's alcohol, substance, or process addictions is what we call sex addiction or gambling? Yeah, I think that one one of the things I have found that when somebody wants to alter their state uh, through drugs or alcohol or even sex addiction, that, that they're not necessarily trying to feel better. They're trying to feel different, and they're they're look they're looking for something different. And then many times they they get an entanglement, and they just don't know how to get out of it. And I think that's why it's so important for us to become free, Mm -hmm. free enough to try to do our best to help um, untangle somebody's situation. Uh, With my brother was difficult because he was an engineer, McDonnell Douglas, extremely smart, very attractive guy. But when he would struggle with his wife and have problems, he was a very strong weekend drinker. So after work Friday, strong. Saturday, all day Sunday, but could pop up on Monday and do his job. Hmm. But after years of doing that, his body just couldn't take it and it just went out. And that was difficult for me to watch because I had helped so many people, predominantly celebrities, that I had helped them find the way. And I felt like, man, I couldn't even help my own brother. Yet I put him in two rehab centers, paid the whole thing, did a lot for him. So that was a very, very difficult thing. And so in the book about the miracle mentality in family, one of the things that I'm saying is that there are a lot of family members around us that are in a lot of pain. Somebody is hurting worse than us. No matter how much you hurt right now, no matter how many life interruptions you're having, somebody's hurting worse than you. And so with the miracle mentality, I think it gives you a different perspective. 
And that's all somebody needs at times who is addicted, who is afflicted, is a different perspective. So with my brother, I, I lost that battle, uh, but it gave me even more of a burden to continue to help families to not lose that battle. I totally uh, relate with that. You know, everyone wants to be loved, belong, to be yes. seen, you know, and and then there's so many things when it comes down to generations of the burdens that go on and on that we stuff our feelings. We don't acknowledge our feelings. We're not vulnerable. We don't know how to truly do relationships. We just are learning to exist with each other, but we have all these things inside of us. And, you know, when I see, especially with um, clients that, especially after pandemic, we've seen a lot of relapses and dealing with psychological isolation, psychological loneliness is, is most people's worst fear. Yeah, 100%. And that's why a lot of people go to sleep with the television on. Mm-hmm. Or if they're driving the car, they have to have music on. If it goes out, they don't know what to do with themselves because now they got to listen to their own thoughts. But again, if you renew your mind, it's amazing how peaceful your life can become. I called my sister about 10 years ago, one of my sisters, and I said, I said, something weird has happened to me. And she said, what? I said, I hope I don't die because you don't have a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. She goes, well, what happened? I said, I have so much peace. It's weird. And, you know, I've always had a strong degree of peace, but about 10 years ago, a peace that passes all understanding hit my life. And I'm really not exaggerating. Mm -hmm. My musical friends say, Tim's story seems like he has cool jazz music playing in his head at all times. That's one thing Verdine White says from Earth, Wind & Fire, the bass, the bass player. He goes like, brother, you're just like, always like just, and I am. But I did that by renewing my mind. I really did. Because I was raised in drama. I, I had to unlearn that. I renewed my mind of who I really am, that life is not perfect, that we're all undone, we're all going through recovery and discovery, as I said, and I'm good with it all. And to quote uh, this lady, Joyce Myers, she says, you need to enjoy where you are on the way to where you're going. Mm-hmm. And I'm good right now talking to you. So help us understand a little bit. And for some reason, when you were saying that, I can almost imagine you dancing to jazz music all the time. Yeah. But, you know, help people understand, right? You know, when they hear that term renewing their mind, what are some practical things that in your life coaching that you've helped people to practice that on a, on a daily basis to walk in that? Renewing your mind can happen in, in, in many forms and fashions and renewing your mind is, is to put something that is healthy into your mind. And that could be quotes. That could be my Angelou poems Uh, That could be affirmations that you read. Uh, That could be uh, whatever religion you're from, reading from the book that is kind of like the good book of your religion. Um, But renewing your mind to me is also in conversations that are very positive. I renew my mind a lot in amazing conversations. Um, 
I have some very positive friends that when I'm done talking to them, I feel like I'm just the highest in the room, you know? So renewing your mind is, is, is putting healthy things in your mind, but also learning to turn off other things. And so I'm very okay with quiet. Quiet is good. Peace is good. But uh, that's how you renew your mind, putting healthy things in your mind. I remember uh, Tim sitting with one of my, um, I don't work with many teenagers now, but I remember sitting with one of my teen clients that their their parents had brought them in because they were angry. And I remember asking them, uh, because they had their uh, iPad at the time, and I asked them, what were they playing? And I have nothing against the the artists at all, but they were like, I'm listening to DMX. And they were feeding um, songs that kind of just created this this emotion in them that kind of kept them in a certain state. You know, so when we think about the things that not only we watch, that we listen to, but the conversations that we have, is it it life-giving or is it life-draining? You know, and I always um, give some other tips to, to some of the clients I work with. For me, it's the miracle morning, right? It's getting up that first hour. It's yes. praying, it's devotional, it's listening to meditative music, giving the first fruits of the day to myself. So when I'm helping clients, and I would imagine you have your own routine that I'm giving from a place of abundance versus a place of lack. Everyone's so hurried, right? Yeah, but mine's very similar to yours. Like I, as busy as my life is, um, I'm a studier of, again, for me, this is coming from my faith base. I, I love to study the Word of God. I love Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. I meditate on the Word of God. I like listening to worship music. It takes me into a magical place. And because, you know, me and you are being pulled on nonstop. Like I just talked to a famous NBA wife just before I came on here. And then right before that, another one of my people who does very well for herself uh, is in a rehab and they were calling me and saying, should she be released or not? So, you know, my life is being pulled. I'm being pulled all the time. And as you said, you have to set the tone. So you set your own tone in the morning, but I, I set my own tone as well, but I think it's important to go from what I call the battleground to the holy ground Mm. and the holy ground to the battleground. So the battleground is life. The holy ground is that place of silence meditation, prayer, right? Absolutely. Just rest in peace and don't feel guilty for resting. Mm-mm. And one of the, the metaphors that, that I like to use is it, pretty much you're saying it is that, you know, we're either preparing for a storm, coming out of storm or in a storm. <laughs> no, right. So, so then when we're in that preparation mode, the things that we're doing to know that the storm is going to come, you know, we look at people that are in trauma or crisis, you know, we look at the tools that they were doing before that trauma or crisis. It all matters. We can only work with the, sh- the tools that are in our shed. Yes. And I like the way you said that. You're, you're very good with your verbiage. Oh, thank you, Tim. You know, and you were talking about the word of God, you know, in Ephesians, and I've heard you either mention this in your book or on an interview, but in Ephesians 2.10, you know, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You know, a lot of, I know a lot of people will like this, and you've mentioned this earlier, but you've publicly shared about your own calling to share the impactful messages that will change people's lives. Well, how did you, Tim Story, truly discover his purpose to the person that we're looking at now in yeah, the miracle I- mentality? I think number one, like for me, you see how laid back I am. I'll be this laid back tomorrow as well. 
um, is that I'm just a piece of the puzzle. You know, I never thought I was the guy. In fact, I felt very comfortable when in my field, you know, I'm pretty good on that stage. And so they make you feel like the guy and they move around like you're the guy and everything else. But I never felt like the guy. I feel like I am a guy who does a job and I'm a piece of the puzzle. And so I feel like my calling called me and I answered my calling. And that was to help the girl first time when the bully was bullying her, even though I got kicked in the stomach. So be it. I'm still that guy. That, that, that's the guy who helped Robert Downey, Kanye, and everybody else. I'm that guy. So whether it's, you know, the girl who's being bullied or somebody who's struggling with addiction or the guy at 7-Eleven who's asking for money, all, all the guys on my team, they know if Tim walks into 7-Eleven and he sees those guys out there, it's going to take us some time. They, they, they know. They just wait in the car and they start, like, talking to each other, texting, because I'm going to have a talk because it's usually a guy. But I think that's somebody's kid. Mm-hmm. I've helped so many of those beggars outside 7-Eleven. If you only knew. No, I've had, I've had them picked up because they said they, we could. Taking them to rehab ha- houses. No, come on. That's somebody's child. Mm-hmm. So I think that I'm just doing my calling and God's being very cool with me. Like, like he's being, he's being a little bit over the top because <laughs> I get to do fun stuff, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm doing my calling. Yeah. Fun stuff, but, but meaningful stuff, right? You know, we, we look at birthrights, birthrights, the, the first birthright is at four years old, the right to be heard, right? But a lot of kids, they get that shush. And I think I've heard one of your interviews that talk about the shout, but they get, yeah. you know, they, they're quieted. But what you do when you see the people outside of 7-Eleven is you give, you, you see them. How many people have passed them or how many people just gave them a quick dollar? If you're, yes, the guys are waiting for you, but if you're sitting there and, and engaging them, you're, you're giving them a gift. You see them. Yes, no doubt. When I say the fun stuff, I, I mean something like this. Let, let's take little Timmy, who used to love listening to Stevie Wonder and Smokey Robinson. That Smokey would be one of my best friends. That when I got my doctorate, uh, one of them, he came and sang at my big party. Um, that Stevie, when he got his NAACP award for the Icon Award, you guys could look up the year, said, called me up and said, I don't want to be there without you because you understand. And to be with the Stevie Wonder, when I used to listen to his music way back, and now we're like brothers, and he's calling me, which he calls me, and says, hey, I need you there. To me, that's that's above people. You can't blame me for writing a book on the miracle mentality. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right? I mean, I wanted Levi's and they got me something like Plevi's. <laughs> don't don't blame me. Come on. Well, well, speaking of of little Timmy, you know, what would Tim's story share now? with the little eight-year-old Timmy at the water fountain 
with all that you know now? I would say to him, you're going to be okay. Because when I was that age, I didn't know. Uh, there was a lot of drama in my house. My mother had a very strong personality. And I could tell her and my father didn't get along all the time. So I would say to him, you're going to be okay. And that's what I would say to all you that are listening is that you're unfolding. We're all unfolding and we can listen to shows like this and get better, read books like mine, get better. We're unfolding. So don't fold while you're still unfolding. But I tell that eight-year-old, you're going to be okay. Going to be okay. So then the opposite. I once heard uh, Tony Robbins uh, use this this, uh, exercise. But you're sitting on the porch. Tim Story's 81 years old. Yeah. He looks back. What does he see? Amazing. I see amazing. So I'm 60 now. Look how good looking my face looks. When I mean like good looking, I don't mean like handsomeness. I mean, like, I look alive, like absolutely what happened to me. And look at you. Look how alive you are at 30. (laughs) So, so the Bible says those who look to God, their faces will be radiant. I'm going to be radiant then, too. I'm going to be radiant at 90. And so what what I'm going to see, I'm going to see my life from a God's eye view which is through grace. That's how I see. I don't look at mishaps, missteps, missed opportunities. I see amazingness. And when I, when I talk about beauty, I'm not talking about perfection. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause that's not how I'm describing myself. I'm talking about, I see myself as fearfully and wonderfully made. I see you that way. And I see the, the listener that way. When you get when you get that perspective, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I hear peace and well done, my good and faithful servant. Yes, because I'm not I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm just doing my I'm just the piece of the puzzle. I'm helping the kid at the 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. So then with that being said, what would be some of your greatest your Tim stories? greatest pain points that propelled him to continue to move forward and walk in his purpose? I think, I think that there's been so much pain that I can't really like say breaking my arm hurt worse than breaking my leg. So I think that, you know, to go through a divorce was painful. I married into a very powerful family. Um, The man had two doctorate degrees was uh, somebody that was used by two presidents to dialogue with them about life. Um, yeah, that was painful because I asked the man for his daughter's hand in marriage, very brilliant lady who was a college professor. And then 11 years into this thing, we really decide this is not working. We, go, we get divorced. That was very painful because I didn't just feel the pain of divorce but I felt the pain of how I let that man down. Mm-hmm. And I remember taking a walk with him and I couldn't believe what he said it was so kind. He says, it takes two. 
And he said, I'd rather see you get out now while you both have the ability to bounce back. So it was amazing how much mercy he extended to me. Hmm. And so I think sometimes the thing we fear the most doesn't always happen because I thought this brother was just not going to like me for a long time. But I felt like that was very painful, but that's made me very empathetic uh, towards people who have breakups, been divorced, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So what would you share if you were to kind of give Tim Story's three greatest wisdom nuggets as we wind down to share with our viewers and our listeners? What would you share, Tim? I would say revelation, which Oprah would call an aha moment. You got to get a revelation of who you really are. But you got to allow that revelation to drop into conviction. A conviction is when you know that you know that you know. And you, you got there. That's why you're doing so well. In certain areas of your life, you know that you know that you know. So when you get a revelation, it leads to conviction. You then have to take action. So I would challenge every person that's listening to take action. Even if it's not perfect action, even if it's not the ultimate action, take action. Move one step ahead every single day. Revelation, conviction, take action. So share a little bit more about the take action. So people are listening and they're thinking, okay, well, what does that mean to me? What do I need to do? What does Tim tell them? Take action. Take action. So if you feel like you're out of shape, like I told somebody recently, just walk seven houses and then walk back. My friend's wife, she called crying a few days later with him on the phone, the husband, Tim. Oh my God, I walked the whole block. That's just taking action. You know, picking up a book and reading it or hearing an audio. Maybe you're not a book person. Do it. Take action. Listen to your show more, more often. Take action. Uh, you can't stand your sister. Call her up. See how she's doing. Plant good seed into her life. Take action. Your son's in trouble. Call him. Even though you guys aren't close, take action. Take action. Take action. Well, we heard it here. So what's next for Tim's story? Besides being on a Today Show tomorrow morning. <laughs> what's next is what's now. I'm talking to, to a brilliant human being. I'm talking to an all-star right now. <laughs> so I don't really get into all that. Like, I am doing a movie with one of our biggest movie stars in the world. I'm helping to write it and produce it. I'm working on a $25 million play. Some would think that's kind of cool. I have a few good TV shows coming out. But right now, I'm like right here. Talking right here. To, to Dr. Lacey. That's what I'm into. And just talking to all these amazing human beings. So I'm fully present, fully feeling, fully alive. And I, I live this way. I'm right here right now. Well, we certainly thank you, Tim Story, for being on Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. You know, in the words of our dear guests, we are miracles in motion. God gives you the sight, the right, and the might to do the great things, but you have to develop the fight. If you have a setback, don't take a step back. Get ready for the comeback. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week.